0: Chris will deal with it focuses on bridging the gap between where you're at now and where you'd like to be. We'll explore wisdom and techniques from a wide variety of domains and industries and apply them to your unique challenges. I love developing frameworks, processes, and storytelling metaphors that enable personal and business growth. Through actionable next steps, we'll build momentum and confidence. My goal is to help you clear roadblocks, do more with what you have, and realize the potential of yourself and your team. So throw your challenges my way and Chris will deal with it. Welcome to Crystal Deal With It. On this episode, I have a very special guest, the one and only Jack Para.
1: Hello.
0: How are you doing? Jack, I've had the pleasure of working with on four projects in the book realm and then one game project never saw the light of day. Sorry. Uh, That's okay. (laughs) I still occasionally hang it at art shows I did last year. Oh, did you? (laughs) What we're going to do today, so Jack was very instrumental in helping me create the world of the Rainy River Bees. Um, He also did the cover for my book that was released last year called Rosicki's Navy, which was just cover art. But with the bees books, it was very much about creating these different alien species. And I had some ideas going in about what I wanted, but actually through the process of working with Jack, and I'd worked with him in the games beforehand, really helped inform a lot of what I ended up writing. So I thought it'd be cool to kind of do a bit of a retrospective now that the books are about six years old and just... Yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> Maybe we'll start with a more general question to get into the, into this here, but what's it like working with me? Oh, really easy. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> um, Some of what I like to get into is like how to actually work with artists and things like that, so I try to make it easy, but I'd love you to actually explain that more.
1: Oh, it's very easy. My ideal way to work is from from a script or a blurb, and Chris is always... Has plenty of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really easy to go back and forth with him. I just will, I'll do a sketch, show him. He'll tell me what he's looking for and I'll go with his ideas and what I think will add to it or what I think works or doesn't work. You're very easy going about that. Like, does this work? Does this not visually work across? Things like that. You're very easy to go back and forth with and very responsive when I send emails and. And the video chats just make it real easy. Yeah. I mean, we've had some video chats. Like, I think it was for, uh, I think it was for cover number two. Yeah, the like, perspective. Like, I sent a sketch, and you weren't really into it. We did a video chat, and I think I did on Photoshop right then while yep. we were talking, to, like, what you exactly liked and became the cover.
0: Yeah, exactly. I knew the visual in my mind of what I wanted, mm. but how to execute on was a problem. And you actually really formed that, that top-down kind of um, perspective with the ship.
1: Yeah, well, I, uh, oh, perspective. I love and hate. I love and hate it. <laughs> no, I know. So you
0: said easy to work with, but then I know when we got off camera, off the phone. You had to be cursing my name on some of the perspective art.
1: No, I'm cursing my own name on the perspective art because I chose it. That's true.
0: <laughs> I think that in book three was the hockey store. That was that was. Oh, that's so my favorite piece. But it that's was. It two. was.
1: I'm really good at perspective one, one point through three point. When it gets past that, I start to struggle. Yeah. But that's what I want to do. <laughs> and the Hockey Hive piece, for a six, not six inch by nine inch piece in a book, I think I was working 13 by 19 to get yep. that perspective.
0: Right. So let's talk about that piece a little bit more. I think that would be really good for the audience. So from my mind, I mean, that was a very detailed scene. So for those who haven't read the book yet, it's very much about army of newly empowered rats Uh, I won't get into the whole story of why they're there, but they are there to challenge the Beast to a hockey game in a hockey store. So they clear the racks out of the window of the store and legitimately play hockey in a hockey store, which is probably a fantasy for every kid that's ever been in a hockey store. But... I, I knew how the store needed to be laid out, and I actually gave you a two-dimensional architectural drawing of the store. Oh, that
1: helped so much.
0: Because, that's, <laughs> because the store is actually owned by two of the kids from the, fir- from the first book, and so I needed to have a lot of backstory to that. Unlike the first book where you know, I could tweak how I wrote the aliens because they didn't show up in as many scenes, and here I wasn't going to rewrite four or five chapters, so I wanted to be very sure of how the store was laid out. But then how, like, where you took that? How did you take my two-dimensional drawing but also make it your own?
1: Well, I mean, I always do thumbnails of everything. And one of the things I take into account most often with stuff like that is what characters got to fit where in the scene. And it seems like from book one to three, the number of characters in those small little drawings kept getting more and more and more. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, how do I fit an entire humans and aliens hockey team and an entire team of rats in one little vertical yeah, <laughs> vertical <too>. vertical <laughs> six by nine piece and that's where the curvilinear perspective came yeah. in on that one because i pretty much just like all right I got to get into visual distortion in this one to to get yeah. it right and I love visual distortion so it's just not always easy to achieve but
0: no, I think that was... We worked together, obviously, on Fire at Will, which should have a yeah. unique perspective for... And that was going to be a card game box cover. Uh, so I, had, I, I already... I mean, you were so easy to work with in that project, even though it didn't come through. You were, we became friends through that project. Through project yeah. And through the first book, I knew you, you were the guy I wanted to work with on it. But I, starting to see your love of doing unique perspectives really opened my mind to what was possible. Like, especially in the second and the third books, really starting to write scenes with a crazy perspective in mind, oh, right? There was a game in the
1: pyramid. <laughs> oh, So it is partially your fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, partially your fault, too, right? Because
0: knowing that you were so into perspective, um, I almost, because you kind of write with that perspective, too. You you have to be someone omniscient and know what's going to happen in your story. You have to see it up above like you're watching a hockey game. But yeah. even in the non-hockey scenes, the one, I, the one of my favorite pieces that we worked on together was in the second book where um, they go down into... Um, they're solving the puzzle with the, the six statues, and that's very much a my homage to *The Fifth Element*. Uh, the scene where she has to go in there, and Le, has to save the Earth, but they have, to, they have to solve the four <laughs> posts and the four problems. I'm not trying to throw a bunch of spoilers in here. Oh, like, I can edit them out. You know, knowing that it was very much like a top-down how it would look, but from the ca- I had to write it from the character's perspective. But I could visualize. All right, I think Jack's gonna have a lot of fun with this scene before I actually wrote it.
1: That was the one with all the little statues. Yeah, so. each one had
0: a unique challenge. And oh, that
1: was rough. Because <laughs> it had to be so tiny too, right? It had to be really tiny. I had six six things that had to be shown, and they were in the round. They yep. were all around each other, so I had to somehow show things from the back but
0: still make them look good. <laughs> and you pull, I mean, pull it off every time, and Thank and, you. and part of the and I love to you to answer this question for the audience, but. You know, part of the problem with a, a printed book, right, is you have two colors, right? You're talking about black and white line art. You can get full color printing, but these books would not be affordable at that point. No, Especially either. when they're self-published. But can you talk more about how you work through the process of – because you're, you're an amazing visual artist as well. You're a painter. You have incredibly detailed, full full-scale artwork. Working with black and white
1: – It's actually pretty easy for me to make that transition because I have a few styles – I have uh, I have cartoony, and I have uh, more of a, a comic book type cartoony, and then I have really rendered realistic. Yeah, and I like working both a lot. And then yours, being younger, went a little more cartoony than I usually go with the uh, with the line art, which was fun. But so I'm really practiced in in line art and black and white, and That's I true. I love the, I still ink everything by hand, because I just get. Well, I'm way faster at it, oddly enough. Um, but also I just love the getting just a nicely rendered line with a, with a flick of the brush. And
0: It's funny you say that because <laughs> I, I, one of the things I've always admired about your artwork is those natural lines, right? I, one of my proudest pieces I have in my office is the one from the first book with Chris and then the Sabiq that you drew for, no. that, and that was one of the ones where I gave you two pages. Yeah. But, uh, so you really get that cool okay. perspective.
1: No, the the one with the really ridiculous foreshortening. Yeah, <laughs> I, like I
0: love it. But it's it's knowing that if you look at the covers of the books, they're very much digital in color. Yeah. But knowing that they have that authentic hand touch to the to the line work is a really cool mix because again, you're you're a fantastic digital artist as well. Can you talk a little bit more about so taking that line the the line art that you draw, but also incorporating digital elements because there's quite a bit of it throughout the books.
1: My uh, first use in Photoshop really was uh, trying to get in the comics world as a digital colorist, and because of that, I've adapted my style to any the different intricacies of of the artist I'm coloring, and I just found the world the world is just too it's terrible to get into. It's a t- <laughs> unless you become unless you get in with the mainstream yeah. publishers on a big book. You it's just a horrible field. Not bad, but like, working for hard, dollars an hour, hard on hard on the artist. Yeah, um, if that, like a lot of the indie publishers refuse to pay because they don't have to. I've actually had indie publishers say that to me directly. What? Yeah, I know, I'm like, I'm done. But it's given me
0: the skills I need to color line art in Photoshop real well. I want to take a quick pause just to add a little note here. That Jack doesn't think that all indie publishers are like that. He has met a lot of great ones too. At the time that he's talking about, he was really trying to break into the industry. The cons were really flooded with that type of publisher that was trying to take advantage.
1: And then, like, I
0: took that into digital painting, and now like, I have a little of both. Like, I
1: like yeah. the first one was just straight line art with color, very, very comic book approach. Yep. The second one was very painterly, and I actually didn't do ink on that one; I just did pencil.
0: Well, that's that's right. That's, I, that's <laughs> been, a, it's been that soft, long now. I'm like, yeah, I remember you're for talking a about softer it. feel. Yeah.
1: And then uh, the third one, I did ink wash, ink line and, and wash, and digitally colored over that. And I like that effect, too. Yeah. It's just like, I, but they all have, like, I feel like, I guess the color palette really brings them together,
0: that and, and ties and I, them together. You know, when I wrote the first book, that was it wasn't a trilogy in my mind, right? And knowing I could do more with the world, like, I had ideas of where I could maybe take that. But then I know when we started talking about the third book, it was very much like a revenge story, so... I know we talked about the clouds around it. I wanted there to be some kind of visual tie-in. Um, that's also, I think we decided to wrap the art around the spine of the book as well. So I redid, no, I redid uh, the yeah. first book to do that. And yet, I think I did, uh, you had to expand the artwork on the first book to accommodate that. But the third book was very much about having a cohesive look. The books look like they're together. But you're right, there is a very distinct mix of styles between them.
1: Yeah, I mean, they all have my hand in them, but they yeah. all look different at the
0: same point. Yeah. But they, they, they go together. Yeah. But,
1: And just in general, like, my line art on the third cover is so much better than my line art on the first book. But that's just time and practice, you know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I do – and part of this challenge, especially with the first book, was, like, you're not a hockey player. No. You didn't really grow no. up around the game. But I know there were certain elements, like, I was a, I was a real – probably a pain in your ass because – This is the way a hockey stick looks like curse. I take actual photos and stuff. I know you work a lot on photo reference and things too, but it's kind of going through how do I stay true to the game but also inform, not hurt your style.
1: That was tough because um, it took a while for me to get it, and then I got it. And then you add odd, crazy perspectives onto it too. (laughs) That's true, yeah. (laughs) And I eventually went to like a sporting goods store and just looked at one and took a couple picks, but not nearly as many as I should have. I should have taken, like, videos of it from every angle. <laughs> but uh, in college, I played, like, some pickup games of street hockey, but that's that's about the extent of it. I never even owned a stick, you know?
0: But it, you know? So, well, I think we were, we were talking about even, you know, there weren't changes that I made to the game, too, right? So I wanted to make it, you know, a sci-fi story, too. So I was throwing quite a few curveballs your way.
1: No, I mean, I... I I'm not as nearly as into sports as I was when I was younger, but I, I, you know, I used to be a big baseball and basketball fan, and you know, so I have the general idea of it, but it's like the particulars of that.
0: Was there anything unique you did? So I know you part of what you do, you do a lot of um, like art, role-playing game art, book artwork, and things mm-hmm. like that. We're talking about wielding swords, and obviously, there's certain physical motions that come with that. Displaying characters. Hockey's got a lot of similarities, too, in terms of it being a physical sport. Did you approach drawing hockey players any differently than, let's say, a sword wielding maniac? Uh, Oddly, no. (laughs) But maybe talk just a bit about the process.
1: They're actually pretty similar when it comes down to it because um, it's just really like instead of a weapon, it's a hockey stick. And, like, how is it held? Like on the first cover, the the sticks are held like weapons, but that's (laughs) not how you hold them playing.
0: Yeah, that's so true. That, that so
1: that, those hand positions are a little bit to learn. But as far as, like, the padding and stuff, once I understood the padding for for hockey, it's just, like, a different type of armor, you know? And, I, you know, I can draw f- full-plate armor out of
0: my head at this point. <laughs> did, so, did, did you start from, like, a skeletal structure and then add, like, a musculature and then add the pads? On the, what's your approach generally? My, my
1: approach for everything. After, after I decide the – after I do thumbnails and decide the – the pose and everything, for everything, I do uh, a mannequin style under drawing of the, with mostly just like curved lines and cylinders and shapes like that to represent the body parts. And then I do full anatomy on top of that, and then I do clothing on top of that.
0: And, it was, and I do
1: that for every
0: single person I draw ever. One thing I've seen, and maybe I'm, I'm shortening this too much, and you can correct me where I'm wrong here, but through your process from the first book, and I know you did a commission for my daughter's last Christmas. And what you did, you know, when you first did the thumbnails, you really got into the characters a lot before I even got a look at it. I think now, you know, you gave me those wireframes, oh. those real general, like, let's get the pose right before I start building all those extra yeah. elements to shorten up your own process, too. Have you feel like you've, like, has that process, am I, am I right in saying you've kind of found techniques or tools to help you save time on that initial stage yes
1: and and also having worked with you a bunch i I know that you can understand some of my more scratchier stuff (laughs) (laughs) because i tend to get so complicated in in the way that i build figures it can get a little cumbersome in the beginning part to do all that for something that might just be thrown out as like not the right pose or not the right
0: composition or you know so I, i
1: think i've gotten better at streamlining that
0: it brings up a good point. So I grew up drawing. I grew up doing, did some digital artwork. I, I did all the graphic design on the books. You know, I pride myself on having a good eye for art. I don't have the talent you do, and I, I haven't put in anywhere near the hours to draw as incredibly oh. as you do. You know, it's not about who's better, who's worse. I, I just came out. Of, I did have a background in graphic art to understand what I what I wanted, and I had some vernacular. But not just me, but other people that might hire you as an artist. Are there things that you wish they had a better grasp of?
1: Yeah, just like visual understanding. I've had trouble with people I'm working with. I do different things in different stages, and the one thing I always want approval on since I ink by hand is I want approval before I go to inks. Yeah. That was always a big thing. Because it's much easier to change the pencils around than once you go to ink yeah I can use correction fluid and stuff like that and 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 adjust things but if it's a big change that correction fluid gets really chunky and it and it makes it very difficult to re- what's a brush stroke on a plain piece mm-hmm. of paper becomes a real painting a real pain on over like this correction stuff
0: and, and there were some of your pen, <laughs> and some of your pencils when you were giving me for approval like i know there for the first book there was a point i think i even asked you like um, can we just stick with the pencil? This is incredible. Like, um, yeah,
1: I mean, pencil was my original primary medium, so I tend to be a bit ahead of everything else with it.
0: Yeah. Um, so like, it's almost like when you put ink on it, like I know how good it's going to come out, but it's like I don't want to. Well, ruin this it's, piece. A di- it's a
1: different way of thinking too. Yeah. How, can, you um,
0: get, can you dig into that more?
1: Yeah. Um, like when with pencil, you have. You have the whole variation of values. Just you can get them all with just one pencil. Although you use a couple
0: to make it easier. Yeah. The um, H's and the Bs. The H's and the Bs. Uh, I'll put a link to the, the, just to help the audience understand yeah. that. But
1: with ink line, you're starting with your darkest dark and your lightest light. Mm-hmm. So getting the in betweens can be tough, and it's a, it's a way of learning like how much you look, you have to do with feathering or hatching, how a broken line makes it look more like a highlight than a, than a shadow. So hmm. Just having, like, just a break in the line, you know. It's thin line with with spaces in it, you know. It's it, how
0: much that can do towards the light end. And I think that's just, why that, that's a beak art I like so much, because yeah. you had the fur and everything, too. The, you get that oh, fur, yeah.
1: fur and hair, broken lines are everything on them. Yeah. Unless you're, like, a very distinct, like curatory I'm a type of style <laughs> yeah, yeah. banana hair and all that so you just got to learn how to use broken lines and hatching and feathering and which feathering I suck at uh, but <laughs> your, your <laughs> suck is my like mastery <laughs> um, and how to learn to use the viewers visual way of seeing to fill in the blanks like sometimes it's a, a dark and a light and you know the, the, the viewer's gonna see that in between so you don't have to do it. Yeah, it's like you, you, Yeah, your viewer will fill in the blanks for you and knowing where they can fill in the blanks. And, and there's a lot true. of
0: training that goes into that too. I know you, so you went to school for fine arts and your coursework isn't always just here's how to draw. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, right? I, mean, yeah, I remember yeah, you showed absolutely. me work from your um, anatomy classes. Oh, but can yeah. you talk more about some of the different types of skills that really helped oh, yeah. you become well, a better yeah. artist?
1: So I went, I went to a four-year college and then I've taken, like, individual classes afterwards. I've actually learned way more in the individual classes afterwards, ex- with a few exceptions. Like, color color theory in, in college was, like, some of the best classes I ever yeah. took. They they offered two, and I took it four times. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, but uh, anatomy. Oh, my anatomy teacher. You learn to draw the skeleton. You learn to draw the muscles on top of the skeleton. But not only that, as he lectures in the class, he lectures as to what each muscle does, why it's there, why, you know, how all mu- almost all muscles on moving body parts are contrary, where, like, there's one that moves it one way, one that moves it the other way. And it's just, like, learning all that, and, like, it was a full-year, cl- co- yeah. two-semester course. First year was just it's the head. Second year was the whole body. And we drew the skeleton in its completion. Hey, and show me we, this, yeah. And then we did acetate overlays and we do the muscles on top attached to the skeletal points. The amount of hours he's showing that is oh, incredible. Awesome. Those, those courses are so hard to find but when you find one my teacher at the DuCray School of Art in Plainfield, New Jersey Yeah, plug him. I'll, I'll put a link in the show Frank, notes as well. Frank Faletico F- 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 Yeah, he's just an amazing teacher he was a medic in the Navy and um so he learned the action, like, he yeah. actually learned how to medically fix me. Yeah, that's like,
0: well, like, you went through almost like pre-med. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: well, he, that's basically
0: what he almost did. But, uh, well, uh, <laughs> but, I want to, if you don't mind, change the tag a little. I want to play yeah. off that a little bit more. Where when you're paying a, a professional artist, you're not just paying for the piece that you're contracted for, their rates are based on the fact that there's been, in many cases, decades of passion and hard work and Difficult courses yeah. like that to do it in a time frame that makes sense, or to do it at a level yeah. where you're doing a crazy 17-point yeah. perspective.
1: One of my favorite little comic memes that I've seen on Facebook in the last few years is uh, a, a guy comes up to his boss, and you know, he's like, and showing him like what he did for a project he requested, and, and the guy's like, "Oh, you did that on five minutes? What are I paying all this for?" He's like, "Well, you're paying for the the nope. the, the 25 years and th- thousands and thousands of dollars in schooling." They got me to the point where I could
0: yeah, do exact. this in five minutes. It, no, exactly. <laughs> and I, I think all too often we've become, as maybe as a society, and I don't want to get too grandiose about this, I'm going somewhere with this, but is people just, they see time as a number. Oh, $100 an hour? Great. Um, but there's so much more that goes into this. I mean, and, and there is a handbook, and I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, uh,
1: Graphic artist skills, pricing, and actual guidelines.
0: Yeah, it's a great starting point, not just for the artists, but also people that might need to work with artists that really understand what is a fair market rate. And that mar- there's a lot of variation within yeah. there based on your notoriety, your yeah. skill level, they, what you're trying to do. They put
1: it out every four or five years, and it literally is that. What they do is they interview people in the field yep. and what they're charging and what they're making, and they publish it. Yeah. Right. And they do it for pretty much every visual arts field is
0: in there. If you don't mind being a bit vulnerable here, it's, a, it's still a difficult life to have to draw and have to find clients, but also find that. What's your biggest challenge as, a, as your own business in, in making a living being an artist? As in the modern age, everything's, you're seeing the dawn of AI art now, and everyone oh. thinks that art's cheap. I'd love to get your perspective on where you see your challenges both now and going forward.
1: Well, one of the challenges in which AI art is actually really hurting is value the value of you know being able to charge what they, be, people think you know, you're know you worth and people not understanding that you're not AI. You're not a computer? Yeah. You and the, and that for the most part, especially now, AIR is using samples of artists who spent their whole lives creating that style, and you put that person's name in and they take it. And that should be copyright infringement.
0: Yeah. And I, I think there's an ongoing legal battle here. I mean, I saw someone... I was
1: actually very disappointed in DeviantArt. DeviantArt started their own AI. Did they really? Yep, just recently. Oof. And originally, the sampling was everyone's art on DA. And then after an outcry, they put a little checkbox that you could you could check that you're not interested in being part of the sample. And then after more outcry, they auto-checked that box. They, <laughs> so had, to, they had to have the outcry. They had the to go cry. through three outcries mm-hmm. to put it the way
0: it should have started because they run it like a business they don't it's, and that's where you, that's the danger of platforms to some extent right yeah if you're, I'm
1: really disappointed in DA they used to be all all pro artist rights yeah, and but now there's they seem to be losing that
0: uh, but at the same time like how you get discovered as an artist are through these platforms but the platforms are exploiting you to serve their other business needs mm-hmm. or their shareholders investments and to sell it to AI art yeah.
1: and it's not just like random up and comers that use art. professional comic artists are huge on yeah. D- art. I have friends who who've worked for Marvel and DC who have since deleted
0: their DeviantArt accounts because yeah, of this. That's, and I think all the hours and time and, and business yeah. that came because of being on those platforms is now gone. Yeah. So, you know, and relationships and having, you know, again, our friendship extends beyond the art that we've that, that you've produced for, for my mm-hmm. work, but at the same time, I mean, how important have partnerships been long-term in your own career? Outside oh, of our, what we've done.
1: Other oh, good. I like working with repeat uh, customers. I have a few others that I work with, and I got a contact against the other two. But I like repeat business, because you know how you're working with them. You know that they'll like what you do and what they're looking for out of you. Yeah, and they
0: understand your process. Yeah,
1: they understand your process.
0: What do you think right now today is your biggest, aside from what we just talked about, your biggest challenge?
1: Now, currently, it's the the pandemic really hit a, put a hit on me, because I got a lot of my clients through conventions, and them just now starting to pick back up again. Like, that's how I'll get my, my work again. But I'm kind of behind now. Like, just before the pandemic, I was turning down jobs yeah. <laughs> because because of scheduling.
0: You're, yeah, I, I, think, I remember the, yeah. Thing, the second book. Like, when, how are we going to fit this artwork around your other...
1: And I've learned I'm not really not good at handling more than one large job at a time. Like, a single piece, second client is one thing. But multiple pieces for multiple clients is just kills my schedule. Uh, but at the same <laughs> time, it's, it's, it's is, a good it, source of income good. as well, right? It's a yeah. bigger project. But. And getting clients to understand that arbitrary deadlines are unnecessary. Like, mm-hmm. I've had a lot of, I've had to turn down jobs because clients want thing at a specific time yeah. that meant nothing. Like, a random deadline they pulled out or they want to be ready for a convention. Like we're starting maybe, the process
0: too late starting
1: right? too, the process too late and wanting to be ready for a convention and right. I'm like yeah I know you want your piece ready for a convention but everyone in the field that I do a lot of artwork wants their that, piece is yep. ready for that same convention so you gotta kind of space yeah, it out one of my other clients just he's like you, I publish when I'm ready you know, and, when it's ready you know we'll we'll prepare for the the conventions that happen after it's ready yeah I remember pushing yeah. back
0: pushing back the release especially book two because there was a lot of artwork in that yeah. book we and it was the biggest of the, of the trilogy but also because we wanted to get it right working with your demands like I didn't want you to rush through the art I didn't want you to just you know
1: yeah there was there's a th-
0: feel some arbitrary deadline when I was self-publishing it to begin with.
1: Yeah, I, for some stupid reason, I decided to do all the drawings, then all the inking on that. I've never done that again, <laughs> <laughs> because by the end of that, yeah, I had to push. We had to push back a couple of days because my eyes were just starting to hurt from staring at the ink lines. I just like, yeah. Mental note: do a few, finish a few. Do a few, yep. finish a few. Don't do all the pencils then. To expect well, because then I got things. then I got all yeah. the art like one in like big packs. Yeah, I had yeah. to do all the processing and stuff yeah. too,
0: but. Well, listen. Yeah, I, I'd I love learned, to I learned that the hard way. <laughs> I would love to dig into this more on a future episode, Jack. It's just you know we're here at PhilCon in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Great opportunity just to face to face have a conversation. But I know it won't be the last. No, so thanks for being on the you. show. Glad to be at a con again. If you feel that Chris dealt with it, I'd appreciate your support of the show by sharing it with someone who might benefit. Ratings on your favorite podcast player are also helpful in growing the audience. Visit chriskreuter.com for free downloadable PDFs with notes and resources for today's episode. Sign up for the CDWI mailing list or to send in your problems or requests for future shows. That's chr-i-s-k-r-e-u-t-e-r.com or use the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Chris will deal with it.